Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast. Good morning. Good to see everybody today. Everybody give me a woo! All right. All the introverts are coming back in from their coffee, um, so it's good to see you. I'm glad I can call you out right now and make you feel even more uncomfortable. Um, lean into the awkwardness. He's talking about me right now. Hurry to my seat. Hey, um, you heard it in the announcements, in the announcements earlier, uh, Box Out Hunger is something that we do here at Foundation Church as an outreach. We are partnering with um, the Oklahoma Food Pantry. They're doing some amazing things. And the reality is right here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, we have a lot of people that are in just in need of food. Um, I know the NFL draft was this week, and some of you may be like, you were talking about hungry and NFL draft. Those things don't go together. There was a guy that got selected here. Um, I think his name's Josh Jacobs, played for uh, Alabama, running back for Alabama. And um, he, he was up in North Tulsa and said that, man, just talked about his story on ESPN. And right here in Tulsa, he went to McLean High School, grew up uh, sleeping in his car, and that a lot of times they just were hungry and food was an issue. And it is an issue in Tulsa, Oklahoma, that you and I get to be a part of being uh, a part of the solution to. And so we have a goal here. In the next few months, we would like to give over 5,000 pounds of food to the Oklahoma Food Bank. And that means what they're in need of is peanut butter, small cans of peanut butter or jars of peanut butter, um, fruit in cans, and box dinners. And so when you're going through the grocery store, um, especially if you shop at Sam's or Costco, we can knock this out quick. Um, but um, throw some something in your cart and bring it on Sunday and you can put it in the box that's in our Connect Center and let's make this happen. Um, a lot of us, we don't know what to do. We, we want to help and be part of the solution, but we don't know what we can do. We're not trying to invent the reinvent the wheel. We're trying to partner with somebody that's doing something effective and we get to be a part of because we don't care about the glory. We just care about the solution that, that uh, of the need. And so if you would like to be a part of it, you can bring that any Sunday. You can even bring it by during the week. And we will make sure it gets where it goes. I don't have a store. I'm not like hoarding peanut butter at my house, okay? I'm not like, oh, more peanut butter for the pastor. Um, it's going where it's supposed to go to. Um, today we are in a series called Surviving Your Dungeon. Surviving Your Dungeon. What do you do when bad things happen to good people? And I would even change that to this. What do you do when bad things happen to people? Right? Whether you've been good or bad, what do you do? What, what, how do you handle life 
when chaos ensues. Um, before I go any further, I want to let you guys know we're going to be in this series for four weeks, and we're going to be in this series during Mother's Day, um, and it's going to be a fantastic day. Guys, there's going to be a lot of photo booths, so you're going to have to smile and take pictures with your wife, and your kids are going to have to take pictures with their mom, um, but it's going to be a really creative day that you're going to want to make sure your family comes here and joins you, but we will still be in this series um, and ca- pretty much talking about what do you do when you feel like you're drowning, right? But what do you do today when chaos hits your life? Um, chaos is it, it, chaos can be okay for a short time, but when it's a long time, it's draining. And, and it seems like when bad things happen, it's not that one bad thing hits your life. It comes in waves, right? It's like a ton of bad things hit your life, and you're just trying to survive somehow. Um, today, I've been holding on to this story for a long time, waiting for the perfect opportunity to share it. I found a news story um, that, that happened at a Walmart in Wisconsin, and so it says this, chaos descended on a Wisconsin Walmart store Wednesday night after a karate-performing mother her naked son and their belligerent dog shoplifted and ran amok in the store. True story. It gets better. The Eau Claire Police Department said on social media, so this is the official police department uh, report that I'm reading to you, that the officers responded to a call that a woman, Lisa Smith, age 46, and her dog, Bo, shoplifted items from a store. Now, how do you teach a dog to shoplift is my question. Like, I'm like, how does that happen? The woman's son, 26-year-old Benny Van, was causing chaos in the store as well. Police learned that Smith came into the shop, the mom, 46 years old, into the shop with Bo unleashed when the dog immediately ran off towards customers while the woman was pulling apart displays in the store and placing them in her cart. After being told to leave the store, the woman began showing off her karate moves. <laughs> There's certain things like I wish I could be present for, and this is one of these moments. Um, the woman began showing off her karate moves in the parking lot to defend to fend off police officers. The dog tried to... <laughs> The dog tried to flee the crime scene, albeit unsuccessfully, with a box of Jiffy cornbread muffin mix in his mouth. (laughs) It's got good taste, I'll say that much. Um, After a brief fight with the officers, Smith was arrested. I got to stay focused. As a last-ditch attempt, she tried to kick a window out of a police car. Her son, meanwhile, was getting fully naked and began exposing himself to other customers at the store. He then tried to cover himself with new clothes from the store without intending to pay for them, police said. After police confronted Vaughn, he threatened to run over them with his scooter, prompting the police to use physical force to stop the scooter and arrest the man. The mother was charged with disorderly conduct, resisting arrest, and misdemeanor bail jumping. I would say uh, having a deadly weapon, too, like you want some of these bad boys. Um, The son is facing charges of lewd and mischievous behavior, disorderly conduct, and retail theft. And the only character to get off scot-free is Bo the dog. 
Bo was caught by officers in the store and brought to the Humane Association. The dog was not charged. We issued him a warning for theft, and the police said in a statement. So um, there's your crazy for what happens in a Wisconsin Walmart. And here's the deal. Like, as I'm reading this, like, I, I so wish I could have. I would love to see a 46-year-old woman just lose her mind and start using karate on a police officer. Like, threatening to use karate, I would just tase them right then. I'd just be like karate this, right? Like, I'm just, just being honest, I would be the worst police officer there ever was in the entire universe. But I, when, when I read this, like I started thinking, I was like, oh man, that would, that'd be crazy to watch, crazy to see. And then my, my thought goes, those poor Walmart employees, (laughs) right? They didn't do anything to deserve this. Crazy just walked through their door. I mean, they did, they didn't like ask this woman to act crazy. They didn't ask her dog to start shoplifting Jiffy cornbread mix. They didn't want her son for sure in there naked and putting on clothes and trying to run over people with a scooter. You know, this is, this is a whole level of chaos that they didn't do anything wrong. The police officers, I'm like, man, these four police officers, they're having to handle like chaos that comes in. And sometimes a life is like that. Right, you're going about doing your thing and, and 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 doing what you know is right and doing what you know is good, but chaos comes in. And you didn't ask for it. You didn't want anything like what is happening to happen, but nonetheless, it's happening. We've all heard the the the, the saying, not my monkeys, not my circus, right? But what do you do when it is your monkeys and it is your circus? Your monkeys are out of control and your circus is absolutely insane, right? It's not the Barnum and Bailey circus, it's a Shriner circus. Um, it's like, yeah, this is kind of scary and I don't know what's happening right now. Um, it, what, what, do you, what do you do? What, what do you do when you were doing the good thing and you were trying to be the good parent and you were trying to be the good spouse and you were just trying to be a good follower of Christ? Married, not married, single, married, whatever, maybe young, old. But thing after thing after thing after thing starts hitting your life. How do you handle it? Our text today um, is found in Acts chapter 16. And as we get ready to open the word of God, we're going to be talking about verses 22 through 34. But I want to set up the text this morning. What's happening is Paul and his partner um, with him doing ministry. His name is Silas. And Paul and Silas are, are on missionary journeys, going and fulfilling the Great Commission. Um, and they come to this place where they are preaching, and it says they are walking to the place of prayer. They're going to the temple to pray and to teach. And on their way, there's this woman following them around everywhere they go to teach, everywhere they go to pray, just driving them crazy. She's obnoxious. She's a distraction. Um, and, and this young lady is a fortune teller. And the, the backstory is she is a slave. She has a master. And the way that she makes her master money is by telling fortunes. And so Paul, Paul's just done with this woman. He turns around. And this would be one of those moments I would want to see too, because it'd be so cool. But he turns around and he just like 
calls the demon out, casts the demon out, the demon leaves her. But the problem is this, when the demon leaves, she can't read fortunes anymore. She can't read the tea leaves, right? And so she's not making her master any money anymore. And the master's mad and he starts making all these accusations against Paul and Silas. He gets the city officials involved. And this is where we pick up in verse 22. And it says this, a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten and they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately fell open and the chains off every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself, we're all here. The jailer called for the lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into the house and set a meal before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. There is so much in this text. Um, when I first started this message today, I had six points and I was like, we're going to be here until the end of the 1130 service if I have six points in my message. So um, we have reduced that to three points, but there's so much in this message, in, in, this, in this passage of scripture. A lot of times when we read the Bible, we read it, but we don't understand the gravity of the situation. When it says that their clothes were ripped, I mean, were, were, were stripped off of them, they were violently ripped off them in front of everyone. And it's an embarrassing moment. It's a degrading moment. They rip Paul and Silas's clothes off and they beat these men. In fact, the Bible says this, they were severely beaten. They are just barely still alive. And they didn't do anything wrong. And it says that they are thrown in not just the jail, but they are sent into a place that is the most secure part of the jail. They are sent into the inner dungeon where there is no escape. There is no way out. And it says that they are put in in stocks. So stocks for your feet are those things. You've seen them in cartoons um, where, where there's holes for your feet and the wood clamps come and, cl and, and close over your feet. But it wasn't just that. And it doesn't say that this is what happened to Paul and Silas, but the Romans would use these stocks as they mean for torture too. There would be several holes and they would put their, their, their legs as far away as they could as a means of torture to stretch their torso and cause excruciating pain. So these men have been embarrassed for nothing they've been beaten for nothing they are in change in stocks for nothing with no escape and in the midst of this when the midst of everything going wrong for Paul and Silas they teach us something that is simply true for you and me when chaos hits our life and when hard things hit our life and you have to understand this is that God never said he would spare you from pain 
Somewhere along the lines, pastors and evangelists and preachers, whatever you want to say, have done an injustice and said, man, if you're following Jesus, everything will just fall into line. You know what? You can be following Jesus and everything fall apart. You can follow the Lord and do everything right and be fulfilling his purpose and his will and still bad things happen and hurtful things happen. You can be the best parent you know to be and still your kids go off to left field and you don't know what to do. You can be the best spouse you know to be and still your marriage is hitting the rocks. You can be falling at the Lord as just a young professional or just as, as a person and it seems like one thing after another thing after another thing hits you and it's coming in waves and chaos has hit your life and life isn't what it seems and you're just sitting there going man, this doesn't seem fair. This doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem like I should go through so much hardship if I'm doing the right thing. But hear me this morning. And I know it's not one of those points where you're like, yes, that's the best preaching I've ever heard. But God did not promise you a life that is spared from pain, that's spared from hard things, that's spared from heartbreak, that's spared from confusion and frustration. He didn't. In fact, he said this in John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus said, I have told you all this. He's talking to his disciples. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. It says this in the message translation. It says, I've told you all this so that trusting me, you will be unshakable and assured, deeply at peace. In this godless world, you will continue to experience difficulties, but take a heart I've conquered the world. You know what's amazing to me? When Jesus is telling his disciples this, every one of his disciples were tormented, were persecuted. Most of them killed to death, I think except for John, but even he was exiled to the island of Patmos. This, this was something, it's not that God doesn't love you when you go through hard things. God never said you wouldn't go through hard things. And we have to have an understanding of that. But Jesus said this, and, and it's key, and I love the way the message says it. It says, I told you this so that trusting me, even when you hit the difficult parts, that you'll be unshakable and assured deeply at peace. This morning, I know there's several people here that where you're at right now in life, you're sitting there and you're going, how in the world did I get here? How did life end up at this place? How, how did this situation turn out like this? I, I never dreamed that my life would look like this, would feel like this, that I would be dealing with this, and yet this is where life is. And, and, and hear me, today is not a message where I'm going to sit up here and tell you why, because I don't know the why. Today, I, I'm not going to tell you even this, that it's going to get better before it gets worse. You're like, well, I'm really glad I came to church today, Justin. Keep it up. I just want to be real and transparent. But what I can tell you is that in the midst of you not understanding, in the midst of your confusion, in the midst of your anger, your bitterness, your hurt, hear me, you can still trust him. You can still 
Trust him even when chaos hits your life. Casey and I used to have an agreement when our kids were, were really, really small. Um, we, we had this, you, you had to take them into the pediatrician and they get shots all the time. And like when they're tiny, and I'm just going to be real honest here as a, as a dad, as a guy, um, there was not this like, when moms have the baby, like there's this instant bond. For me, it took about three months, which I know sounds really heartless, but I needed some response from them. I needed them to look at me, to smile, to giggle. Um, I, when their head's going like this, like Stevie Wonder, I'm like, I'm going to break you. Like, stop. Stop, stop, keep your head up, right? They just made me hot. I'm like, this is just a pooping and eating machine. I, I've got nothing connected to this thing right in here. But when they would start looking at you and smiling and all this, you're like, oh, man, that's my kid. That's my baby girl, you know? And, and so we would take them to the pediatrician. And when they would get shots when they were teeny tiny, it, to me, it wasn't that big of a deal. Just be like, you're like, well, wow, you're just a heartless dad. But when they hit about one years old, Casey, me and her made this agreement that I had to hold them down when they got their shots every time. Because she was like, I don't want them looking at me when something painful happens. I want them looking at your face of death. Um, I'm like, well, that sounds perfect. Um, And so I would get there and and I'm sitting there holding them down. And the nurses, the nurses, nobody wants to be the bad guy, right? The nurses are snicking around like a ninja, like I've got all these needles. (laughs) And, And I'm sitting there and they're just like, hey. Hey, my dad, you know, and, and having fun. And the first needle hits and they kind of go, you know, squirm and they're like, wait, 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 that something is hurting. And then they hit them with a the second needle and then they're like, ah, 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 ah. you know, they're, they're trying to get the breath. The third needle, bam, you know, this needle, this nurse like wham, wham, wham. I'm like, just put it all in one poke. Let's get this thing done with, right? Um, boom, hits away. And they're like, like that. And the fourth one hits and then they're grabbing for me. And here's the deal. I hate it. I hated like sitting there going, it's okay. It's okay. I'm sorry. I totally suck as a human being right now. You know, I'm the worst person ever. Um, but, but here's what happened is they would still reach for me because they still wanted me. And Casey did not get to hold the kids until I was done holding them, comforting them because I had to be the person of death over them. Right? Here's the deal. What was true for my kids And what was true for your kids is true for you and your relationship with your heavenly father. You may not understand it. You may not have seen pain coming and this situation coming, but what I can tell you is this, you can still trust him. You can still reach out for him because when you still trust him, you can still be unshakable. But there's something that we've got to learn and it's something we've got to learn to do with the pain. And it's our second point. You can't just sweep the pain away, but you've got to attend to it. You, you can't just pretend that it never happened. You can't pretend that it doesn't bother you, right? Growing up, as, especially as men, as boys, we're told, you know, rub some dirt on it and keep moving. You know, walk it off. Fake it till you make it, which is the worst advice I've ever heard in my entire life, right? Like, what's that going to do? That's just going to make it worse. When it comes to your pain... You got to attend to it. You got, man, this isn't where I want to be. This isn't what I had pictured my life being. This is not the situation I wanted to be in. The story of Job, Job chapter one, you want to read somebody that loses everything in, in a heartbeat, 
Read the story of Job. Job chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 says this. There once was a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz. He was blameless, a man of complete integrity. He feared God and stayed away from evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. It means he had 10 kids. See, my math is amazing. Um, he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 teams of oxen, and 500 female donkeys. He also had many servants. He was, in fact, the richest person in the entire area. And in one day, Job lost it all. He didn't do one thing wrong. In fact, he, he was the most righteous, blameless man. In, in God's description of Job, he says he's the most righteous, blameless man I have. Didn't do anything wrong, and yet chaos ensues. He's in a place, he's in a dungeon that he doesn't want to be in, that he didn't think his life would be at. And when the, the servants come, he's like, man, you lost all your livestock. You lost all your wealth. All your kids were killed. They were having dinner together. And a storm came in and wiped them out. It says this in verse 20, Job stood up, tore his robe in grief. Then he shaved his head and fell to the ground to worship. He said, I came naked from my mother's womb and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had and the Lord has taken it away Praise the name of the Lord. And all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. But can I tell you what Job did? He responded to his situation. Job grieved. He tore his robe. He shaved his head. That's a sign of grieving. Man, I have lost everything. And in the midst of his pain, in the midst of his confusion, in the midst of his dungeon, he didn't ignore it. He didn't pretend that it wasn't real. He didn't pretend that it didn't happen. He didn't sweep it under the rug. He just acknowledged, man, I've lost it. He didn't get mad at God. He didn't get bitter at God, but he did lean into the pain. And you and I, we can't just pretend that things don't exist. We can't pretend that something didn't happen because if we do, it only gets worse. We used to say, you know, don't sweep things under the rug. And that may have worked back in the day, but that's not really applicable anymore. The, what I would say is this, don't throw things under the bed, right? Let's be honest. When your mom came and told you to clean your room up, what'd you do? You grabbed all your stuff and you threw it under your bed for like as quick as you possibly could. It's like if you've companies coming over to your house really fast and you weren't expecting them, you take all the stuff and you throw it in one of your rooms, right? And you're like, man, our house is perfect. It's clean. It always looks like this, right? No, it, no you can't go into that room. That, that room's under construction. It's being remodeled right now. A lot of dangerous things, lots of dangerous things, really sharp, pointy things sticking up all over the place, right? No, it's not all your trash and all your junks everywhere. Um, here's the deal. It's not that what you did got rid of it, especially if you threw it underneath the bed. It didn't get rid of it. You know what it did? It made it a bigger mess. And so now you're having to get on all four and you're like getting down there and you're like halfway, half your body's underneath the bed. And you're like, why did I ever do this before? If you don't think you throw things under the bed, just wait till you move. And you're going to be like, well, you bought your kids like five of these things because they kept losing them. It's not that they kept losing them, kept throwing it underneath their bed. Right? Because if I throw it underneath the bed, if it's out of sight, it doesn't happen and it's not real. We want to do the same things when it comes to our pain. We want to do the same things when it comes to our situation. We just want to move on. We don't want to address it. We don't want to pretend that it's real. We just want to act like it never happened. Can I tell you, I did this for probably the first year of my mom being passed away. When my mom passed away, it had been almost nine years ago, I think now. The first year, I just, I kept moving. I kept going, never dealing, never dealing, never dealing with it. 
I just kept throwing it underneath. Because I, 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 I didn't know what to do. I, I, I felt like a big sissy if, if I admitted I was hurting. And I, I just didn't know what to do. And so I ignored it and made a bigger mess. Some of you, you're in this place, and we put our Sunday smiles on, and we look good, and we look great, but it's creating a mess in our marriages, in our relationships, in our life, because we're not addressing the pain. We're not addressing the situation. And I would tell you, man, wrestle with the Lord on it. Man, wrestle with the Lord. What do I mean? You're not wrestling to get your own way. Wrestle with and say, man, I'm struggling with this, God. I, I don't understand. I don't understand why all this has happened. I'm having a hard time with this. Wrestle with Because what I can tell you is the only person recorded to wrestle with the Lord is Jacob. And he came away completely. He had a limp for the rest of his life. And his name was changed. He became something different. Not because he ignored it, but because he wrestled with the Lord. Wrestle with the Lord on this stuff. Lean into it and be like, man, this is, I don't understand this. I love what Josh McDowell said. He said this, no matter how devastating our struggles, disappointments, and troubles are, they are only temporary. No matter what happens to you, no matter the depth of tragedy or pain you face, no matter how death stalks you and your loved ones and the resurrection promise, the resurrection promises you a future of immeasurable good. I love this quote because it's simply true. The promise of the resurrection is a promise of immeasurable good for your life, but you've got to acknowledge the pain. And here's the last thing I would tell you is this. Don't let the dungeon become your dungeon. Make it your sanctuary. Don't let the dungeon, the chaos, the situation become your dungeon. Don't let it become your newfound reality. Don't let it become, well, I guess this is just how life is going to be. But make it your sanctuary. This word sanctuary, I went through several different words. And the word sanctuary... Uh, I, I, I was struggling with maybe temple, but temple was meant a, a place of religious activity. I thought about a tabernacle, but it was kind of the same thing. Sanctuary means this, a place for worship, a place of refuge and protection, a sacred place. A place for worship, a place for refuge and protection, a sacred place. Back to our text, it says this, they were severely beaten and they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing the hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundation. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Can I tell you something that you've got to decide today is what are you going to do with your chains? Right? I'm not trying to be little Wayne today. I'm just going to let you know. What are you going to do with the chains that are in your life. What, what do you, because can I tell you, all of us have them. All of us have these things. And you can either sulk in your chains or you can worship through them. 
Right? Paul and Silas, they're beaten. Their wounds were not addressed. Their wounds, they, they're in their tent. They're in their dungeon. And all of a sudden, they make this decision at midnight. And they start worshiping the Lord. They start praising the Lord through their chains. This isn't where they wanted to be. The inner dungeon wasn't where they thought they would be. They didn't deserve it. They didn't want this. They didn't think this would happen. And yet it happened. It was reality. And they started worshiping through their chains. They started worshiping despite their situation, despite their circumstance, despite their feelings, despite their situations. They knew they could still continue to worship despite what was happening to them. And what is amazing is it said that at midnight, all the prisoners were listening. Why? Because the last thing these prisoners expected after these men had been humiliated and beaten and put into the inner dungeon was to hear worship coming from the inner dungeon, to hear worship coming from somebody who was bearing such heavy change and still worship. It didn't look like I wanted to, to look like. It doesn't sound like I, I wanted to sound like it doesn't feel like I want it to feel like but I'm here and what are you going to do while you're here are you going to let your chains win or are you going to worship despite your chains are you going to be bound to them or are you going to start using them as a method to worship and to sing your praise and to sing your worship and to say man I will choose today to make sure that God's praise continually is in my mouth what are you going to do with the chains and the dungeons that you are found in. Because can I tell you what's amazing about this? What's incredible about this point is this, is it said when Paul and Silas starts worshiping, everybody else's chains fell off. Everybody else's chains, all the other prisoners. Doesn't say that they knew the Lord, that they were good people. They probably weren't if they were in a dungeon, right? It said, what they started doing started affecting the others they were around. And can I tell you, the way that you behave in your inner dungeon, the way that you behave in the places that are tough and hard and let's just be honest, aren't fair, will affect those people that are around you and will be a witness to those that are around you. You may not like it. It may be heavy. It may be a burden. It may be unfair. You may not feel like you're able to do it, but you got to push back through those feelings and you got to worship anyways, despite the change that are around your life and your situation. Man, it starts to affect those that are around you. I close with this story. I love, love the story. It's a, it's a story about a pastor named Chen Min Lin. It says this one day while sharing God's love in a small rural church in China, Pastor Chen was arrested and taken to prison. He was told never to speak of his Christianity again. He was then caught again in 1968 for his so-called crime of preaching the gospel. Chin was then sentenced to 18 years in the absolute worst conditions ever imaginable. He was underfed and nearly starved several times while suffering in prison. Chin's own son was even killed by the communist captors and his wife died shortly after after but his cruel captors didn't even have the decency to tell them. He was in a horrible place with hardly enough food to even carry on. He would crawl on his hands and knees for lack of energy when moving around. He didn't do anything wrong, and yet chaos in the dungeon found him. For over 18 years, think about this, 
18 years of starvation and torture, Chin learned what true greatness is all about. He watched as his courageous Christian brothers died one by one on racks in the torture chambers. At one time, Chin recounts, I longed to die, I even prayed to die. In these times of true sadness, Chin was encouraged by his fellow Christian friends that were willing to die for what they knew was right. As the years slowly passed, Pastor Chin received a new assignment from his Chinese prison guards to work in the prison camp cesspool. A task like this was thought to be worse than the death sentence. The infectious water that had to be carried out was absolutely horrid, and he prayed often for God's protection. His first day in the cesspool was a complete nightmare. The stench was almost unbearable, Chin said, and I thought I would die before the first day ever ended. As he went to his loathsome job the next morning, he noticed something that he had not noticed before. He was completely alone. That normally never happened at a crowded prison camp. A light then illuminated his mind as he realized that he had been given the blessing of solitude. He started singing softly. It was the first time he'd ever been able to sing since being taken to this horrible prison. And he started singing louder and prayed a prayer of thanks. With tears streaming down his face, he found himself singing an old hymn he had learned a long time in Shanghai. He found a very special meaning to the words of this song in particular. I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. And the voice I hear falling on my ear, the Son of God discloses. And he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share, which we tarry there, no one has ever known. There he said, in that awful darkness, I seem to see the dazzling splendor of the bright and morning star. There in that cesspool, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, the Holy Spirit transformed that dark cesspool of death into a beautiful garden of life and light. What will you do with your chains? What will you do with your dungeon? I Hear me. As your pastor, I know where some of you are. I know where the reality is and the fear that's inside. I I know that there are some of you so overwhelmed, you don't know the next step. You don't know what to do. You don't know. You just like Paul and said, you don't know. There's no way out of this situation to your mind and that you can see. There was no way out to Paul and Silas the way they could see. And so all they could do is control what they could do. And they decided to worship despite what their present situation was. And I have to tell you, man, it may be the cesspool of life that you're in, but you are not alone. You may be in a place you don't desire to be, but turn your cesspool into your garden. Turn your dungeon into your sanctuary, a place of worship, a place that is sacred, a place that is a place of refuge for you, and realize, man, I can still worship despite my chains, despite my emotions, despite my situations. I can still trust him, and he can keep me unshakable and at peace because my confidence is not in my ability. My confidence is not in my situation. My confidence is in my Savior, Jesus Christ, who proclaimed, I have overcome the world. That's where your confidence is in. So allow your dungeon. Don't let it become your dungeon, but turn it into your sanctuary this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you for today. And God, 
right now, I pray right where we're at, you see how overwhelmed we are. Some of us with health, health issues, some of us financial issues, some of us just the way life has turned out. And some of it's our fault, some of it's not. But nonetheless, we find ourselves in a dungeon. Find ourselves in a place that God, we, it's been wave after wave, one thing after the another. God, your, your word says, if we draw close to you, you draw near to us. You said this, that, that you are the vine and we are the branches. Apart from you, we can do nothing. And so I, I, I pray that while we're in the dungeon, while the chaos is ensuing, that Lord, we would not try to do it on our own. We would not try to do it under our own strength our own power. But the Lord in the dungeon, that it would become our sanctuary. It would become a place, even though we're chained, even though we're bound and we feel so heavy that we would worship you. Lord, that we would cry out and we would continue to praise you. We would continue to worship you and to lift you high. And the Lord, this place that we're in would become a sacred place. It would be in the midst of the cesspool of life that it would become our our refuge, our place of worship. And that, Lord, the chains would not just come off this morning of our lives, but, Lord, of those that are around us. Lord, we would realize it has an effect of those. How could they worship in this type of situation? It's easy. Because our confidence and our trust is in you, not our situation. And so you keep us at peace because we know at the end of it, no matter the situation, no matter the circumstance, we win. Lord, I pray, be with us today. In Jesus' name, I pray with heads bowed and eyes closed. This morning, if you're here and you say, Justin, I'm here and I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, we want to give you a chance to change that. This morning, if you're here and you just say, you know what, Jess, I, I'm just not where I need to be in my relationship with Jesus Christ, and I need to recommit my life to him. I'm going to count to three, and all I want you to do is to lift your hands in just a little bit, and we're going to lead you in a prayer that will change your life. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to lead you into another room, but what we are going to do is lead you in a prayer that's going to change your eternity. If that's you, when I get to three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Is there anyone here today? You say, Justin, that's me. There's one, there's two, there's three. Is there anyone else? You join these three hands that are lifted before we go any further in service. Is there anyone else before we go any further in service that I may not have seen? You say, Justin, that's me today. There's one other hand. Is there anyone else? You join these hands that are lifted. Yeah, I see your hand. Is there anyone else? Is there anyone else before we go any further? Say, this is my moment. This is my day where things get right. If you raise your hand, if you please repeat this prayer after me and mean it from your heart. Jesus, I come before you today and I confess that I've sinned and that I've messed up, but I ask for your forgiveness. God, I turn away from the life that I was living 
to grab hold of the life you have for me. I confess you, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm going to live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can we give these five individuals a raise their hand a huge round of applause? Yeah. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions, are in need of prayer, or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at Nicole at foundationschurch.tv. We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.